0: The Lord calls us to worship from Psalm 147, beginning in verse 1. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and praise is beautiful. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers together the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He counts the number of the stars. He calls them all by name. Great is the Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. The Lord lifts up the humble. He cast the wicked down to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praises on the heart to our God. Amen. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, we come into your presence today gathered as your people in your house to worship you, to lift up the name of our Savior and to praise him who alone is worthy of all honor and glory and thanksgiving and praise. And Lord, it is our delight and our desire to praise you today in a way that is pleasing in your sight. And we pray that you would fill us with your spirit, that we would speak the truth on our lips, Lord, that we would lift up the name of our Savior and that You would be pleased with all that is done today in Your house to worship You and to honor our Savior. And Lord, we join our hearts together now and pray the prayer that You taught Your disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, As we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Turn in your hymnal to page eight hundred and forty-five. We're going to recite together the Apostles' Creed, and I'm going to ask you a question, Christian. What do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Hear these words of assurance from the book of Psalms, chapter 116, beginning in verse 5. Gracious is the Lord, and righteous Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low and He saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Amen. Turn in your hymnal to page number 600 as we continue to praise the Lord. He leadeth me, O blessed thought. children can come forward for the children's sermon. Good morning, children. There was one. Good morning, children. It's good to see you all. I wanted to ask you a question this morning. And talk about a word in the Bible. Uh, There's a question in the Shorter Catechism that talks about faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and believing in Him. Can anybody just say what faith is? It's believing. Faith is believing. It absolutely is. And can somebody else say if faith is something we have on our own or is it something something that God gives us? Something that God gives us. It's a gift and it is a precious gift. It's a gift that He gives to those whom He says are His children. And the rest of that answer in the Catechism says that we are to exercise faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and to receive and rest on Him as He's offered in the Gospel. Can anybody say what it means to rest in the Lord Jesus Christ? Does it mean that you you sleep? What does that mean, to rest in the Lord Jesus Christ?
1: Um, to sleep.
0: To sleep at night? Well, I believe we do sleep at night trusting Him. But when when the Bible and when our Catechism talks about resting in the Lord Jesus, what it means is that you don't have any worry or anxiety in your heart. How do I know if He loves me? How do I know if one day He will take me home to be in heaven with Him? I better be a good little boy or a good little girl. The Bible says that you exercise your faith, the gift that the Lord has given you. You exercise that faith by believing and trusting that as Jesus was offered in the gospel, the one who came and died for your sins, that you rest. You don't try to find anything else that your hands can do. You believe and trust that He has done everything and that there's nothing left for you to do except have faith in Him and trust Him. So I'm going to pray two prayers for you today, okay? One, that you would believe that the Bible is true and secondly, that you would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and trust in Him alone and not in anything else for your salvation. Let me pray for you. Father, I do thank you for our covenant children, and I thank you, Lord, for their attention and this time this morning, this special time, to talk about you, Lord Jesus Christ, and to talk about faith in you. And Lord, even as adults, it is sometimes difficult and hard to understand all that the Bible teaches us about walking in your ways and loving you. But Lord, I pray that for these dear covenant children, that it would be clear in their mind that the Lord Jesus came and died on the cross for their sins, that they might believe in You, and that they would trust and rest in You, not having to worry about something else they have to do for God to love them or to be pleasing in Your sight. And Lord, I do pray for their faith, the childlike faith that the the Bible says that Jesus taught His disciples that without it, it would be impossible for us to get into heaven. And I pray for their faith and hope to be in you, that one day you will come and take us all home to be in heaven with you forever. In your name, amen. Thank you all. You're welcome. Kind of a rhetorical thank you. (laughs) This morning for our responsive reading, we're going to... Uh, be reading Psalm forty six on page eight hundred and two. Psalm forty-six. I'll begin with the light portion and please respond out loud with the bold. God is our refuge and strength, an ever present help in trouble. Amen. though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a
1: river whose streams make glad the city of God, a holy place where the most
0: high dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. The nations are not born. He fall. He lifts his voice. The earth
1: melts.
0: The Lord Almighty is with us. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations He has brought on the earth. He
1: makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He wears snow and shatters the spear.
0: He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will
1: be exalted in the earth.
0: The Lord Almighty is with us. Please stand together and turn in your hymnal to page number 688 as we continue to worship, singing, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Number 688. just before we pray, I wanted to share with you a reading from the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day number one, which begins with a question, what is your only comfort in life and death? And the answer says that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood And the beauty of trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the blessedness of the gospel that we believe. And the Savior that we lift up today. Let's go to Him now in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the privilege. And the honor that it is to be in Your presence. It is a privilege because we are in the throne room of the living God by Your Spirit. Praying to You now. It is a blessing to us because we need Your presence. In our lives. And we believe that by the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have poured out your spirit on your people. Those who belong to you by faith and trust in Jesus alone. For our righteousness in your presence. And Lord I pray for your people today. That they would have a strong sense of your love and presence in their lives. That your people here at Lebanon Lord would be comforted to know that the Lord Jesus prays on their behalf even when they don't know how to pray. He prays for us and intercedes that we might have faith and hope and believe in the truth and power of the gospel as it is spoken in your word. Lord, I do thank you and praise you that we may call upon you in times of trouble and in times of good and plenty. And we do that today as your people, praying for your blessing over our service of worship, but also, Lord, in our hearts that we would believe and trust, that we would believe the gospel and trust in Your goodness and Your care, that no matter what You bring into our lives, in the moment even of death, You are carrying us and holding us. Lord, I do pray for our missionary of the month, Andrew, that You would be with him Uh, as he continues to raise funds. He has 22% left to raise, Lord, and we pray that You would bless him, to finish, that he would have strength and endurance to do it, that you would bless him as he travels to conferences and churches and meetings, Lord, that he would be able to speak clearly about the work in the Ukraine, and Lord, we do lift up this country to you, this country that fears, people who live in fear and are making preparations every day not to do the normal things, uh, but to do the normal things, but also being ready, maybe even on a moment's notice, to leave in a hurry. To walk away from a home that they love and a place that they have enjoyed and known their entire life. Lord, we pray for them and we pray for your people there. Who are serving and who have given of their time and their money and their talent to go and to serve you. And Lord, we pray that you would preserve your faithful people there and be kind to them. And Lord, that in these days, these difficult days, that you would be spreading the gospel that lost people in the Ukraine would be hearing because of the faithfulness of your people there who are serving. And Lord, I do pray for those in our midst here at Lebanon who are struggling in different ways. There are many among us who are sick, Lord, and who do struggle in their bodies and see every day the reality that we live in a fallen world. And Lord, I pray that you would comfort their hearts in the midst of sickness and difficulty and very uh, harsh trials, that you would cause your people to have faith and to give witness and testimony to your goodness. And Lord, I pray that you would comfort those, even those who are not here today, with the truth and the reality that the Lord Jesus is on the throne and that nothing is coming into our lives by chance. All of these things are coming to us from your loving hand. In your name, amen. And invite you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. The sermon is entitled today, Your Will Be Done, Matthew chapter 6. We're continuing to study uh, the Lord's Prayer in our series, Kingdom Life in a Fallen World. Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to begin reading in verse 9. In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, As we look at verse 10, we're going to be focusing on the phrase, Your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven today. To pray, Your will be done, is one of the most humble and humbling prayers that a Christian can pray. It is said of Martin Luther when he was climbing the steps called the Sancta Scala, on the way that Jesus walked as he was going to be under trial with Pilate that he could only get to the phrase, your will, and he broke down and fell on his face in the presence of his Savior. He couldn't even choke out the rest of the prayer to get those words out of his mouth. As I said a moment ago, this is one of the most humble and one of the most humbling prayers that a Christian can pray. It is humble because it acknowledges God's place of authority and power over all things, including us, and our rightful place as His servants, those who serve Him with fear and delight and hope and trust. It is also a humbling prayer, because it means that as His children, I submit my life and my plans and the literal actions that I do every day according to His plan. I leave them all in His hands. There is no better place in all of the Bible for you and I to see this prayer lived out than in the actions and life of Jesus Himself while He was on the earth. So today we will look at a bit of His life and focus on how He walked in the ways that the Lord, His Father in Heaven, had given Him. And it is my prayer that we will be encouraged as we read God's Word to have a humble heart and to receive by faith what He has given to nourish our souls as we read His Word together. First, I want to answer the question... What is God's will? If Jesus is saying that we should pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what is it that the Bible says is God's will? In the Bible, there are aspects of God's will that are plain and some things that are hidden. And we, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and those who belong to Him, we believe both of those by faith. We take them on faith. In Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29, it says, the secret things... The things that are not revealed belong to the Lord, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. The Bible speaks about God's will in two different ways, in two senses. The first in His decrees, as we have studied throughout the last two months on Sunday evening, His decrees. These are His eternal, sovereign, unchangeable plans. That what the Lord determines will happen will actually happen. It does happen and is accomplished. Whether the people of God love Him or seek to worship Him or not, they are not dependent on us. And He is not dependent on us. He does carry out His plans. Nothing stops it, nothing slows it down or changes it. In Daniel chapter 4, verse 35, it says, He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, What have you done? So that's the first sense, his decrees, his sovereign, unchangeable, eternal plan. And secondly are his commands, what you might call his ethical will what He desires for people to do, and the commands that He gives in the Bible that we should walk in them, these are revealed in His Word. I.e., we see them in the Ten Commandments, in the royal law of love that Jesus is speaking about here in the Sermon on the Mount. And in His providence, some people actually do His will. They keep His commandments, but some people fail to do His will. As we think about these two senses of the will of God, it's important to keep this in mind. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus spoke about this. Some people failing to do the will of God. It says, Not everyone who says to Me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of My Father in heaven. So those who go into heaven, those who have a hope and a home, an eternal home, are those who walk in His ways, who are obedient. Jesus said as He encouraged The church, through John the Revelator, he he told him, those who overcome to Him, I will give the crown of life. There are those who don't. Those who do not do the will of the Lord. They look at the Bible or the Ten Commandments or the royal law of love and they set it aside. And they think that they can go through life and that that's fine. And clearly, God is working in the midst of that. His plans are not thwarted in the sense of His decrees. But it is true that some people disobey the Lord and we believe by faith that even that, even sin, is something that God uses. He's not the author of sin. He didn't create it. He never leads any of His people to sin or anyone else. But we do believe by faith that He uses it. And He can use it for His glory and for our good. So I told you that one of the best ways we can see God's will being carried out and and lived is in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to answer the question, how do we see God's will being carried out in the life of our Savior. How do we see it? And there really is a tightrope that we must walk as God's people as we look at Jesus in the Bible. It absolutely is true that He is the infinite, eternal Son of God who is worthy of all worship and honor. Think in the sense of the fear of the Lord. And Moses, as he came into God's presence at the burning bush, he came and God told him, take off the sandals from your feet for the place that you are standing is holy ground. When you take Jesus' name on your lips and His words in your mind and in your heart, you should have a sense of fear and awe that this is the living God that we're talking about. This isn't just someone that we read in the newspaper or see on the television. This is the living God, and we should fear Him. But there's also a sense in which Jesus is the ultimate premier example in the Bible of a child of God who walks in God's ways. The Bible says that He is our elder brother, that we should look up to Him. And just like a younger brother looks up to an older brother and tries to be like Him and look like Him and sound like Him, even trying to mask His voice at times and sound older, it is true that we should seek to walk in the ways that Jesus walked while He was here on the earth. So that's the tightrope we have to walk as we look at Jesus. Not to handle Him in a pedestrian sort of way or to think about Him or to say the words that He said and just handle them casually. He is the living God. First, how do we see Jesus doing the will of God in His life? And how was the will of God carried out? First, it was God's will, it was God's decree that Jesus would come to the earth and die. That was His plan from the very beginning. As we looked at the Christmas story, it was God's plan that Jesus would come as a little baby with the express purpose to die. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, Jesus shows that He knew this. He says as He was praying. And in the Gospel of Luke, it says that there were angels who came and ministered to Him. And as He was in great distress, He was praying. And such that the sweat that was coming off of Him was like great drops of blood that hit the ground. Jesus was in, was in anguish and distressed as He prayed. And He said, Oh my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from Me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He was saying, Lord, if there's any other way to do this in your great, grand plan of redemption, would you please do it at this hour and make it plain to me and I'll walk in that way. But nevertheless, I know that I'm here to do your will. What you have chosen is the way that I should walk. And though it may be a dark and shadowy time for me, I believe that I should walk in it. And he did In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 10, in the English Standard Version, it says, speaking about God's will, his heavenly Father's will, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. It was God's will to do that to his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. In Acts chapter 4, verses 27 and 28, speaking about the will of God and about the Lord Jesus Christ. For truly against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined beforehand to be done. What is clearly seen there is that the will of the Heavenly Father was done. But it's, he's, he mentioned very specifically that He said Herod and Pontius Pilate and the people of Israel and the Gentiles that everyone was working and doing according to God's plan even in the midst of what was absolutely brutal and horrible to Jesus. That means that God had willed to kill His Son and He chose to do it through these sinful people. Even through the sins of people who crucified Jesus. He was crucified unjustly. His trial was a sham. And God worked in all of that. He ordained all of that in the life of His Son. The will of God was carried out absolutely. And this is a mystery that you and I cannot fully explain. The redemption that God planned for His people Himself was accomplished by Jesus becoming an actual man, though at the same time still being fully God. And He submitted Himself completely to the plan of God to be horribly treated and brutally beaten And die a disgraceful death. God ordained Jesus' sinless life. He did not sin one time. Did never give in to temptation. He chose for Jesus to live according to His word perfectly. He is the perfect example of righteousness in the Bible. And He was the perfect spotless sacrifice for our sins. That was God's will. That He would be that way for us. God ordained the use of the sins of Herod and Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel. And that is a mystery that we cannot explain. Well, how can you say God uses sins, but He's not the author of them? And we have to come to the Bible and say, remembering what I read from Deuteronomy, and say, I don't understand all that this means and how it's possible that God could use sins in His plan, but the Bible says that He does. And Deuteronomy says that the secret things belong to Him and I must leave them there. I can't go diving into them and understand them. It's not possible for me to dig deeper or look at the Hebrew or the Greek and and figure this out. This is something that God has chosen to make hidden to His people in His wisdom. But He says that this is true and it absolutely is true. How do we see the will of God being worked out in Jesus' life? Number two. It was absolutely Jesus' will and desire to walk in the path of obedience. This was not something that He didn't want to do, even though we see in His humanness, He prayed, Lord, take this cup from me, if you will. In His desire and His heart of hearts, He submitted to it fully. He said, this is the path that my Father wants me to walk in, and I will walk in it. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, from that time, Jesus began to show His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem. He knew and suffered many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. It was His desire to go to Jerusalem. As He went to different cities and towns, people tried to keep Him. Stay here, Lord. Be with us a day longer. And the disciples even were a little confused about this. And they said, Lord, we're not going to go there, are we? You've heard what's going to happen there. You've been telling us about it. Are you really going to go? And it was his desire. In the Gospel of Mark, it says that he set his face like flint to go. As solid as a rock and a piece of iron, his will was determined, I will obey my heavenly Father. I will do what he sent me to do. This is what walking in obedience looks like. His desires and his heart were actually turned to obey his Father. In John chapter 4, verses 32 and 34, this is just after Jesus had had a conversation with the woman at the well and had talked with her about her husbands and about worship. And she tried to divert the conversation and Jesus was very narrowly focused And he said, there will be one day when those who worship the Father will worship in spirit and in truth, and he will be pleased. It won't be on this mountain or in Jerusalem on another mountain. Worshiping the Father is who you are in your own heart. And what you say is not as important as what is on the inside. And as he was finishing that conversation, and the disciples are looking at him, and no one had the guts to say, Lord, did you realize you were talking to a Samaritan woman? And no one said anything to him about that. They immediately go to the diversion of, uh, Rabbi, you should eat. And what does Jesus say to them? How does He respond to them? He says in verse 32 and 34, I have food to eat of which you do not know. And they're puzzled. Lord, you're not carrying a bag. You don't have a satchel. There wasn't a donkey that you pulled along with provisions. What food is it that you're talking about? And Jesus told them, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. It was the Lord's will to obey His Heavenly Father. Even if that meant the dark night, the darkest night that any soul has ever gone through, through the cross, through the horrible beating, through mockery, through everything that He went through. And this should be something that we have to level with in our hearts. You can look at Jesus and see this You can be sorrowful. You can say, well, I can't believe in a God that way who has only one Son. We say He is the only begotten Son of God. He has only one Son. I can't believe in a God who would do that to His Son. That that's His will. That's His best plan. I can't believe that. Or maybe you look at your life and say, I don't know that I can trust a God who allows me to go through this or puts my family through this or someone who is dear and near to your heart. I can't believe that He is good if this kind of suffering exists in the world. Either He doesn't care or He has no power to do anything about it. And I believe as we look at the Lord Jesus and as we look at Him very closely in the Bible, we must deal with this question of is it the will of God that suffering come into the life of and the existence of His people. And if you question that, I believe that your heart will crumble, dear people of God, because this world is brutal. It is harsh, and it is mean, and it is nasty. And sin is difficult, and it, it infects every one of us. There is not one person in this room who has not been impacted by it. And you will either deal with this in the Gospel, in grace, or you will turn inward You will push the Lord away. You will push other people away. You will have nothing to do with the church in the realist sense of being engaged unless you believe that this is true. To pray your will be done should cause our hearts to bow before our Heavenly Father because you have to be able to pray that with integrity. Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You are praying, Lord, would you please be the delight of my heart and the delight of my family's heart, that we would walk in Your ways and trust You just as Jesus did even in that night in the garden when He was about to be crucified. Lord, give me that kind of faith and hope and trust in You to put one foot in front of the other and to obey and say, Your will be done. May it be the delight of my heart just as it is the angels in heaven and the saints who have died and gone before me who do Your will with all joy and satisfaction in Your presence. Lord, may I do that here, now, in this life. To pray that is a serious thing. It is a humbling thing. And it's something that we should pray with integrity in our hearts. We cannot pray this prayer with integrity in our hearts unless God fills us with His Spirit. To walk in His ways in love and obedience. You won't do it. I won't be able to do it. There's no amount of feeling better about life and just trying harder and I'll just keep a smile on. Keep loving Jesus and walking in His ways. You can't do that. There's not enough energy in the world to be able to do that apart from His grace. So when you pray, Lord, Your will be done. You are praying, fill me with Your Spirit. I need it today. Otherwise, I won't obey in a pleasing way. Fill me with Your Spirit that I would raise my children today to know You. Give me patience. Give me grace. Give me a desire to love You. First, praying this with integrity of heart means that you and I will acknowledge and obey as God's people. The revealed will of God. Not get busied about on a tangent hoping and wishing that we had a crystal ball to know everything that would happen in life. No, you are focused on seeing God's Word and obeying what it says. The revealed will of God. This implies that you and I as serious students of God's Word are studying it. What does it say? How am I supposed to walk in His ways? How am I to obey Him and to do everything for His glory? How do I know what that is unless I'm reading my Bible? and asking Him to show it to me. Help me to understand it. Don't let me get distracted with other things. Don't let me fall down the rabbit hole and never come out. Lord, help me to read Your Word and understand it. To acknowledge and obey the revealed will of God. We honor the Sabbath. We don't steal or kill or covet. We honor our parents and understand that it is God's authority that we are under. And that we're to walk in His ways and to respect our elders and to love them. Elders, maybe the elders in the church, but I mean specifically those who are older than us, listening to what they have to say and not just casting them off as crazy or old people who don't know anything about life, but really listening. The Lord has blessed this church with dear saints of God who have walked the path that you are walking, dear younger people. Listen to them. Take time to hear what they have to say. It's how God gives wisdom to His church. Remember, That Jesus said as we obey the Ten Commandments, as we obey His Word, as He's teaching here in the Sermon on the Mount, it's not just simply that we're blindly mimicking what we've seen in other people and hoping that that means honoring the Lord and doing His will. It's actually doing them from a transformed heart that actually wants to please God. I want you to be pleased with my heart and with my life. I know I can't do this on on my own. It's too difficult. My strengths are not strong enough. My weaknesses are way too strong. And I will make a ruin of my life apart from you. Two very specific examples of what it means to obey the revealed will of God. Just two examples. First Thessalonians chapter four verse eight. For this is the will of God. There's no questioning about it. There's no dilly dallying about it. This is the will of God. Your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. It's actually God's revealed will that you and I be holy with our bodies and sanctified meaning set apart even in how we think about our bodies, the way that the world thinks, or what they say is in or not in, what's okay and not okay. That you and I, it's God's will that we should be pure. That's plain in the Bible. So if you say, I don't know what the will of God is, this is plain in the Bible. Another example, First Thessalonians 5, verse 18. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That means it's actually God's revealed will to His people that we shouldn't be in a continual state of grumbling and murmuring and complaining. Well, I just don't like how life is. He says we're supposed to give thanks in all things. All things. How do we pray this prayer with integrity? Number two, we accept the difficulties and trials and hardships in this life from His loving hands. We believe in a sovereign God who in His providence, is in charge of everything that happens. And so we must level with the fact that if there are difficulties in this life, that He brought them to us. Perhaps because we are sinful people, because sinful people do have trials and struggles, and the result of our choices is sometimes difficulty. Other times, it's not because of our choices. It simply is so that He would make us more like His Son who walked through the worst of the worst. In 1 Peter 3, verse 17, For it is better, if it is the will of God, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Now here, Peter is talking about persecutions. He's talking about people who name the name of Christ and who suffer greatly for it. That's why we prayed for people in the Ukraine this morning. That the God would, would spare His dear people there. Missionaries and others who have gone to give their lives. That's why we prayed for them. That maybe in the midst of persecution, they would... Look to the Lord and remember His faithfulness and His goodness. It is true that God wills for some of His saints to suffer a great deal. Because of the life of Jesus and how the Father brought about His will, difficult as it was for Jesus, we can live, you and I can live confidently, knowing that everything He brings into our life is according to His will and for His glory, and we are set free from the chains of this world that say my life must be on my terms and my happiness is the measure of all things and if I can't be happy, then it's got to change. That's a measurement of the world. That's not a measurement of the Scriptures. Jesus wasn't happy on the cross. He wasn't enjoying it. It was horrible. And if you are walking through a difficult, dark time, you don't have to like it, but you do have to accept that your Savior led you there. And He is holding your hand. And He will guide you through it. He absolutely will by His Spirit. He promises this. And lastly, in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 3-5. through Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Let us pray. Father, I thank You for Your Word and for the wisdom that You teach us in it. It is not something that we can hear or receive apart from Your grace. And we cry out to You as Your people, Lord, that You would help us to see it and understand it and to take it into our hearts. That we wouldn't set it aside lightly as You have chosen in Your will to give it to us. And may we, Lord, look to You in faith in the midst of difficult days, in the midst of trials, and be able to pray just as Jesus prayed, Your will be done. And Lord, would You give us grace to be pleasing in Your sight, that we would be children who delight to do the will of our Father and to trust that You are carrying us no matter how heavy the weight may be. In Your name, Amen. Turn in your hymnal and let's stand together and sing hymn number 605, All the Way My Savior Leads Me. together for the glory of God. Father, we do pray uh, in in your will and in your delight, Lord, that you would take our lives and let them be consecrated to you, set apart, holy and righteous, that we would walk in your ways obediently as children who look to our Heavenly Father to provide all things. And Lord, we pray now as we have just given our tithes and our offerings that we would proclaim the truth to our soul, that you promise to provide everything that we need. And Lord, we pray that you would bless our tithes and offerings, that they would be used for the furthering of your kingdom here and for the spread of the gospel throughout our land and into the far reaches of this world that you have made. And Lord, we pray that it would be for the sake of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ that lost souls would hear the gospel, truth, and believe it and trust in you in your name. Amen. I want to remind you that we do not have men's Bible study tomorrow night. It is the first Monday, so men's Bible study we will have the second and third Mondays uh, beginning a week from this Monday. And also we will be gathering tonight for our normal services at 6 and hope that you can come out and join us as uh, the adults are studying in the Westminster Confession of Faith on the chapter on creation. Receive the benediction of our Lord. Now may the God who did not even hold back His very own Son, but handed Him over for us all, provide you with every good thing you need in order to do His will and to do you inside what pleases to Him. Amen.